is a graphically novel, a podcast by three brothers who like each other but love comic books. I'm Jamie. I'm Sam. I'm Josh. And on this episode, we're reviewing one of Josh's picks. Uh, Josh, tell the listeners what you've foisted upon us. We uh, <laughs> we all read, hopefully enjoyed, Harrow County, Volume 1, Countless Haints. Uh, was a blind pick. Uh, it's kind of in the genre I think me and Sam favor a lot more than you, Jamie. Oh, yeah. uh, horror, mystery, scary movie type stuff, uh, Cabin in the Woods. Uh, not normally your cup of tea, uh, but we hadn't done many horror stories, and that one looked interesting just off the cover image and started to roll with it. It, it, it's been on my um, radar for a while. Um, I really like the creative team on this one. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm. I'm. It's not that I don't like horror completely. It's just I'm very picky about what kind of horror I like. And so we'll see if this was at my alley or not. Yeah, I, I, I get the feeling you're kind of in my boat where I don't like the gory stuff. You know, just the the blood and guts everywhere and the shock value stuff. I like more of the suspenseful horror. Absolutely, and, yeah. And yeah. This kind of was more of that vibe. So. Yeah, and I and I and I don't like body horror. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't I don't need that in my life. This is not Rob Zombie stuff. We're good. Yeah, right. All right, so um, <laughs> got our picadillos out of the way. Let's give out some live action <laughs> Batman grades. And this is our eccentric grading scale based on the men who have thus far played Batman in live action. Man, I need to see that Pattinson movie. That trailer was so good. I know we we keep going back to that. Every time I say live action Batman grades, I, I, that trailer pops into my head when he. Yeah. yeah, we need to see that. We all we need, but we need also we need a middle point on the grading scale too. But anyway, from best to worst, uh, <laughs> for now, uh, <laughs> it would be good to be able to be give a middle of the road grade. Yeah, yeah. I want not on the good side, we not need on that. the bad side. I just need a okayest pick <laughs> right in well, the middle. <laughs> well, from best to worst, it's Bell, Affleck, Keaton West, Kilmer, and Clooney. And I kind of wish I wasn't going first because I know you all. Are curious about what my grade is going to be. Um, Once you get it out of the way. Yeah, I did. I mean, even though it said Colin Bunn on the cover and it said Tyler Crook on the cover, I was surprised. Um, I didn't ex- expect to like this as much as I did. I had a blast. I had a really great time with it. Um, I'm giving this a bail. A, awesome. a, a good, solid bail. I had a, I had a great time. Um, but it's weird. Like It feels kind of like a um, like one of those slice of life stories. But with all, yeah. all kinds of supernatural junk thrown in, you know, with fire ghosts and whatnot. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of Americana in there. <laughs> and there's some ghosts, too, so. Uh, sorry if that's spoilers, but also that should tell you on wanting to read this thing. There are fire ghosts. Yeah. Um, that's, that should have been part of the sales pitch. That should have been on the cover. Um, I, I wouldn't, and the thing is, this is the last thing I'll say before we move on from, from my, my grade, but I wouldn't just recommend this to horror fans. I don't think you have to be like a hardcore horror fan to enjoy this book. Um, it's just a good story. And it feels like kind of a personal story too. Like I, I wouldn't be shocked if like Colin Bunn is from a town like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you, you don't have to be a horror fan to like this. And so that's my last two cents. Hard. And I, like yeah. And, and I agree with Jamie. Everything you said, it, it's, you don't have to necessarily like horror to like this story. And, I mean, I gave it a bell also. This is definitely a bell. Nothing but thing, good things to say about it. All right. You want to close the ring of uh, the bell ring up here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. All Three right. Three bells. Yeah. Yeah. 
Nice. So I highly like recommended. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> Daredevil saw very clearly this time. <laughs> it, yeah. It's very rare we all three give bells. It's been a long time since I gave a bell out, I think. I'll never go back and look, but I don't think we've done it a lot. Yeah, no. Not very often. We've got it's an very... official ring of honor on Nerds of the Round Table. So yeah. if we ever kept, if we had kept track of this, we <laughs> might have <laughs> one for this show. There's haven't been many. Yeah, it's a it's an elite club up there hanging out with uh with Bale. Did Batman Year One get three Bales? Yeah, probably. Or, I think that sure, might. Yeah. yeah, or maybe not because we had Sammy and Dwayne on that episode. They may not have given it Bales. Oh yeah, probably well, not. They don't count. Well, only we do. <laughs> <laughs> they don't count. <laughs> Guest hosts don't. They don't yeah, get inside. Yeah. <laughs> it's Batman. They got a bell for me. All right. Well, let's let's get the creator credits out of the way so we can dig into this thing. Uh, the script is by Colin Bunn, and this is how they put it in the book. So it's not the normal sort of uh, setup. So a script by Colin Bunn, art and lettering by Tyler Crook. Just those two guys did all of it. Uh, and it's all. And this is a book published by Dark Horse Comics. And so um, <laughs> we've done a few, little bit of spoilery stuff so far. We're going to fire off the spoiler klaxon, and then it's full radioactive spoilers ahead. Time for the bite size breakdown. All right, issue one. Here we go. Uh, we open on a flashback scene where a group of townspeople are killing a witch, and she promises that she's going to return. Then in the present, we see Emmy going about her daily life. She is scared of the spooky tree on the farm, and there are lots of farm animals being born deformed. But she heals one of them, and her dad looks concerned, but not shocked. Then her friend Bernice and her dad show up. Old man Rhea, Raya, I'm not sure how to say his name, he knows something and says lots of cryptic things about Emmy. The next day, she goes on a walk and finds a skinless boy. All right, issue two. She balls up the skin of the boy and takes it back home with her. That's Flair's how it started. She did. She balls it up and takes it home with her. Emmy has a dream about the tree and people, and the people pull a girl out of it. She wakes up, and, and the skin person is mumbling something from her dresser. The boy is repeating what the people around the tree are saying. And they are all coming to kill Emmy. She gets dressed and runs into the woods where she finds Bernice. Bernice wants to help Emmy, and they run farther into the woods where they stumble across an old graveyard. They stop there to decide where to go next, and Hanks come out of all the graves. I left out the fiery Hanks, but yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, Josh, you got issue three? Yep. All right, so Emmy and Bernice are surrounded by Hanks. Emmy tells them to step aside, and they obey her. Still wandering through the woods, Emmy and Bernice are found by her dad. While shouting that he doesn't want to kill her, Emmy's dad begins strangling her. The skinless boy jumps out and starts beating her dad with the strength of six men. Emmy calls the boy off and tells Bernice to watch after her dad, and then she wanders off into the woods on her own. Okay, issue four. Uh, Emmy is confronted by a minotaur who is angry with her for forgetting about him. Then Emmy gets abducted by the town pharmacist because he and others were created by her back when she was the witch. It was supposed to help her remember when she came back. Then the skinless boy shows up again to rescue her. And finally, Emmy stops running and goes home. After a final confrontation, she convinces the townspeople that she isn't what she used to be. Then on the final page, we find out 
that the second girl in the tree lived as well. Bum, bum, bum. Yep. Cliffhanger. Yeah. I already have the next one word. Spoilers. That's not spoilers. It's hard to give it a bail. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> like we all got really? a bail. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's do the pyramid. This is the graphically novel uh, pyramid. Part of the show where we decide, evaluate, review, discuss, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and we decide whether this is a good book based on three elements. And we already gave it bells all around. So there's not much evaluating to do. But there's lots of discussing. So the first element is story. Sam, lead us off. I have honors of going on story. You know, I absolutely love this story. I love the twists and turns it took. It, it was a mystery and a horror combined. But during all that, they had like flashbacks. So it kept you informed while the story was going forward. And I think they blended that together so well. And they didn't leave a whole lot out. Like, like I said, it was a mystery, but you still understood what was going on. Like, like we've read stories before, it was mystery, and you'd have no clue what was happening. And, and then they've done a real job, good job of keeping that together. And then I've got other notes that I can't read my scribbles. I, I, I think you're right. I, I, I really oh, enjoyed yeah. the, the plot. Uh, I, I thought, the plot, I thought yeah. it was really strong. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, what I got here is like the pacing on it. You know, the pacing was so good, like from the very first panel when they were actually killing the witch from the first time. I mean, like, they hooked me from that panel, and it, and it never stopped. It was, I was always intrigued by what, what was happening around her. And, and if she was this witch, if she wasn't, back and forth. And like I said, it, it turned out really well. Yeah, I, I want to mention, too, because that's my first note is, man, they did a lot of heavy lifting on the story in those first three pages. And it didn't feel forced. It didn't feel rushed. But in yeah. three pages, we got the entire backstory of Emmy the witch, the world that the story occupies, we got all that in three pages. It didn't feel rushed. Uh, and I, I thought that was done really, really well on, on getting the setup for the story. Uh, and then, yeah, I was going to mention the pacing too, Sam, you got that. There, there's some slow moments that help build some tension, but mm -hmm. the plot feels like it's always going forward. There's never a point where the story feels like it kind of lags. Uh, yeah. So I thought the flow of information and the pacing was good because, you know, sometimes there's a lot of stuff going on. They're running through the woods. There's creatures chasing them. And, you know, there's a lot going on. But then there's those quiet moments where there's, you know, kind of the creep factor works its way in. So oh, yeah. I, I was you pretty, I was pretty happy with all that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And, you know, that's what I was saying. Like, when the plot's even going forward, like, in some of the quiet moments, like when she got kidnapped and the doctor's telling her why he kidnapped her. They had a little flashback in that moment, and it fit in so perfect. I mean, uh, what well, they filled in that info of why he was doing what he was doing, and it, it just fit perfect. I thought, um, I think you both kind of alluded to this, but I thought that they did a really good job of like setting up the mood, like the, yeah. like, like he kind of felt like this sort of looming disaster was hanging over him, like you know, this horrific things are about to happen, you know, to cra crash this poor, you know, happy-go-lucky girl's you know world. The sense of dread. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's probably the better term. <laughs> I got. <laughs> I got a question for you guys, though. Um, I know a lot of times these writers try to get fancy and do like a, and have stories be metaphors for something else. Um, do you think this is maybe like a, a coming of age metaphor? Because um, because it, it felt like Emmy and Cammy eventually the 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 sister or clone or something. I don't know. I'm not sure what Cammy is yet. Um, but maybe they were approaching becoming adults in different ways. And so maybe and, and, and even Bernice was you know approaching adulthood mm -hmm. differently. So maybe this is like a metaphor for like we all. When we're all sort of on that, you know, stage of going from being adolescents to adults, we're struggling with feeling weird and awkward, not knowing where we fit in in the world, and 
struggling to find our place. And I, I was just thought maybe I kind of felt maybe like maybe there was a metaphor thing going on here about that that sort of struggle in becoming an adult. I mean, sure. I, I didn't take it that deep of a story. I, I just took it at face value the the horror mystery thing, but I didn't look for the metaphor in it. Well, I'm yeah. not saying it's but there. I thought I'm no, asking no. if you think it's there. No, I, I could see I, it. That, no, it fits. I, I yeah. It. yeah, it fits. Okay. That, that's when you know the metaphor is done well, when you're not even sure if there's a metaphor there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I, like, I, really, I really didn't you know, try to think of it that way. I, I was just in for the story. All right. I did. It, it, it just kind of struck me. I, I, I didn't yeah. know. Uh, well, what struck me, and see if anybody else was surprised, uh, in issue four, there's a truck. I pegged this for like the 1840s, and then here comes this 1930s Ford truck rolling down the road. I was completely wrong on the time frame this story takes place in. Yeah. I was way off. Well, I, I was thinking Depression era. So I, I think I was, I was thinking off 20s. Too. Oh, okay, I yeah. I, I don't know why. I think when uh, Bernice and her dad show up in the wagon, it just set me up for wagon era. I was expecting, <laughs> you know, early, mid-1800s. That's I don't know. That's the vibe I was getting. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, seeing that truck, saw those headlights in a truck, I was mind blown for a good 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> like, what? what? <laughs> uh, I've got a time traveler. <laughs> now, I did have one little nitpick with the story. Uh, okay. I know we all gave it bells, but I did have one thing that didn't seem to fit in quite as well. Uh, they, they set up Hester Beck, the witch, and all the stuff she did and then how she went bad. And then in issue four, they reveal that she made a bunch of the townspeople. She just created them. That kind of fell out of place because the town at first didn't accept her, and then they grew to hate her. Uh, but she creates townspeople, and they just live in the town, and they've still been living in the town. She didn't create all the people. Seems weird to me that they let her creations live with them side by side peacefully, but they had to kill her. What when that, they, when the, she well, when, no, when she created them, she secretly created them so they go she. They can go in and infiltrate your eyes and ears of what's going on in the town, is what she said. Yeah, but that's such a small town to have 20 adult-sized people <laughs> just show up out of the Well, blue. there were just I mean, five, weren't there? I thought there were No, there was a few. Them. Yeah. All the ones that lynched her were her people. No, no, no. Yeah, no, just, just some of them were. Uh, some of them. I don't think all of them. Her dad's yeah. not, I don't think. Oh, yeah, they, no. that's right. they had some loyalists, yeah, she said. So, yeah, they're, they're, if you look, they're, they're consistent. There's five of them, and they keep showing yeah. back up. Was it just the five? I think that could have been cleared up just a little bit. That was the one point in the story where I was kind of, uh, I'm not, it, it seemed almost like an add-on because the first three really had a consistent story uh, theme. And then issue four, it feels like they kind of changed it up. Now she's created people. She's got some golems living in town. They decided to hang her. So I don't know. Uh, I still going to read volume two. I still gave it a bell. It's fun. It, it just seemed, to, it seemed, that one point of the story seemed a little off for me uh, that maybe we may see that later like uh maybe like that uh, that person that cammy is talking to on that last page maybe she's got more history back in her and she's created that person that's helping her and we learn more about yeah. how that works right she's I, the evil twin. maybe it's because everything else was explained so well and flowed yeah. really well that we just don't have the explanation for that it may make perfect sense after i read volume two uh just... i want to i want to know what uh, dr sorrel was supposed to do with his ear snake yeah, <laughs> we just kind of left that alone. Yeah. yeah, he's supposed to give it to her, I think. Well, his whole ear is all you know gummed up, like and you know, I mean, super cauliflower ear to the point that it's closed. Yeah. So, like, is the snake still in there? Does he need to put the snake in her ear? I mean, 
I was super curious how that was supposed to work. I was gr- creeped out, but also curious. Like, what was that supposed to do? I think it was he's supposed to give it to her to let her have her memories back or whatever. So who she that, was. <laughs> so he's had the memory snake in his ear for I think so. eighteen it, years. Instead of a memory stick, <laughs> he's got a memory snake. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I I like our memory devices now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> More than the memory snakes. You want to move on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Josh, lead us off on art. All right. Uh, man, I I normally don't like the the watercolor style art. Uh, it's usually not my cup of tea. Uh, but I think it works for this story. Uh, you know, sometimes it gets a little more a little more uh, cartoony than I like. Sometimes it's not as detailed as I would have liked it when you're kind of zoomed out for lack of a better term and you're looking at a big picture the the people just look like blobs uh so it's not my style but i think it was done well and and it worked for the story they were able to crank up the creepy stuff i thought the nature scenes looked really good and uh the uh expressions when when they focused on a face and dove into it those expressions were spot on yeah I, i agree with the coloring um i'm not always a fan of the watercolors because it feels like you're not reading a comic book i mean it's, yeah. it's, it's dumb but it makes it not feel like what we're used to i guess right but i really feel like it did um uh, a good job helping set the mood for the story um and it helped set like the different scenes like it kind of like it was i mean it kind of did the work of like what a score does in a movie like it told you yeah. what you're supposed to be thinking and feeling and so um, like when, like when they go into the graveyard everything gets like super dark and it's creepy and then you see the fire ghost and um it it, it worked it worked really well. It was okay. <laughs> I was waiting for Sam. I was surprised you gave it a bell. I thought for sure it was going to yeah. get an Affleck from you just because of the art. I almost um, gave an Affleck. I wrote yeah. down Affleck. I scratched it out real thin line through my Affleck wrote bell. But I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I am the art snob. And I don't know, man. I just feel like such a good story. They really need to have the art live up to that story. And I think that would have just knocked this thing completely out of the park. It's still a home run, but like for a horror, it, it's kind of middle of the road. It's not bad. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just I think they could have done more with it, honestly. Like the fire ghosts are just red skeletons. I mean, they're really not nothing spectacular to me. I'll be. Yeah, I thought they were good. I thought I thought in in general the horror stuff was done better. So when they're in the woods, the woods look creepy. The skinless yeah. boy, man, that thing was great. The skinless uh, boy was good. He yeah. and he had a lot of detail. I mean, the the sinews and tendons and all the stuff they were drawing. Like it, it there was a lot of detail and it looked and, well. But and the skin she's carrying around is got a lot of detail in super yeah. weird positions. I, right. I, was, I didn't say it was bad. I said it was right. bad. I, but, I, I didn't. I didn't say nothing negative about it. But it's, not, it's not my thing. I, I just wish. Yeah, but like we say, can what, see your face. You look like you stepped in something. I yeah, did. he bit into a limb <laughs> there. He's, it yeah. hurts him to say it's okay. <laughs> it does. It, it works for the story. It it, yeah. it it is it is okay for the story. But I mean, it's for something this grave a story. I, I really wish it could have had something better. I mean, you don't have to be a, a, a crane or nothing like that. But just something. I don't know, better. Something that would pop off the page. It's watercolor. It's like Josh said, it's kind of blobby. I, I, I disagree know. so hard. I know you I, do. I wouldn't want anybody else to draw this. I don't want there to be issues of Harrow County that I read in the future that aren't drawn by Tyler Crook. I think I think it he fits perfectly what, what this story's doing. I, I like it. It fits. I mean, it's just, 
I don't know. Yeah, ha- having read thing. it with this art and got into the story and introduced in this art style, I think if it were to change, it, it wouldn't work anymore. Well, you know, you know, that's the thing too, though. Like as I read it, the more I read it, the more the art fit, and the more I like the art because of the way the story and the art fit together. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I don't. But I want to, I want to back you up, Josh, on the um, the horror stuff looking good. Um, it did, man, and the like her her dream of the tree. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was good and creepy. Um, when they actually see the that actual happened at the tree with the two girls that came out. Um, that looks, one girl in the back, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I wonder which one was Amy. Anyway, yeah, it's fine. Uh, but, yeah. but even the Minotaur looked really cool. Um, I thought, I thought when when I, I like the art, just period. But when he got around to getting to the the supernatural stuff, I mean, I really I love how the fire ghosts look. I don't I didn't I didn't think they were that plain. I thought they were, um, the right level of detail for that that scene. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I just felt like it really worked. Yeah, I, I liked it. Uh, and I said the expressions were good. So when they were showing somebody that was supposed to be feeling something, you knew exactly what they were feeling, and it looked good. When yeah, there was just a group of five or six people standing around, they got kind of blobby. The proportions got off. The eyes weren't always level. One eye was like higher than the other. <laughs> like that was kind of what was getting to me sometimes mm. is, was the lack of detail in the bigger bigger uh, panels. But it, but they did do good in the nature scenes. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that that's probably what was the best I think was the nature scenes. Yeah, yeah. The woods felt creepy. Yeah, and the and the tree. Whenever they showed the. Uh, that witch tree or whatever it is, it looked looked really good. Yeah, there was always like wither stuff happening behind it. Like it was never just like you know a day. Like this, I felt like there was always like w- one part of Harrow County always has a storm around. It. It's that tree. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like Mordor, a little mini Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> Should have had an eye on it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, they had a mouth instead. Uh, <laughs> it's true. Uh, you want to do some characters now? Yeah. All right. Um. I'm leading this off here, and the this this I have no idea what to say about which we always make a comment which corner we think is strongest. I I I, I can't decide. Um, but the character thing makes this. I, I think it takes it to another level because Emmy's just so likable. Um, and they she's likable right off the bat. The way she's sensitive about the the farm animals getting sick and being born well um unwell, and then um caring about the one. At the beginning, it has six disturbing legs. Yeah. Um, so, they, but they get us on her side. But also, it sets the tone, right? Because like something's weird with this girl. Because that thing had six legs. I saw two extra legs. Then it comes trotting out with four legs. Like, what just happened? Mm-hmm. Um, but they get us on her side. And we see that she's got a good heart, and we know that when they when they start thinking that maybe she's the witch, come back. Well, no, we've seen him. Emmy's not like that. So we, we're automatically on her side. We're rooting for her all the way through. And even when, like, there's that second thing, like, you know, that for a second, I was thinking, like, you know, maybe she is going to go back and get her revenge. Like, when she turns and stops running and goes back, I'm like, how's this going to go? Yeah. You know, uh, is this a Twilight Zone story? Is this the end of Emmy's part? Like, volume two is somebody else kind of deal? Yeah. Um, well, you know, and that's the thing with her character, too, because there was a, a a turning point or a deciding point. She could have went bad when the skinless boy was attacking her dad and she was like, I got an excuse, like I couldn't talk, or he's choking me. Well, I don't, I don't have to stop this, but she did. So that, that just backs up what you're saying, how good of a person she really was. And they just make us care about her, because um, yep. this isn't a, it's, a, it's only a four issue. I mean, volume. I mean, there's not you know a ton of issues here, not, not a lot of pages here. And I mean, they had me on that girl's side, like I was rooting for her. Um, 
all, all the way through. Even like I'm talking about in that uh, in the cemetery where it looks scary for a second. Like, where Amy? Don't go dark. Don't go dark. Phoenix on us here. Yeah. Um, but and another thing too that I really liked was like you you always knew everybody's motivations. Like why everybody was doing what they were doing. Like even even when her dad came and was um, going to strangle her. Like it was because he was afraid that she was going to become something else. You, I mean, you hated what he was doing, but you understood why he was doing it. You understood why the townspeople were scared of her. Um, yeah. And you got, you know, Bernice, you know, Bernice, you know, heard the gossip, but also this was her friend. So she was helping her. And you, I mean, you, you understood why everybody was doing what they were doing all the way through. There were none of those like, well, we got to make the plot work. So you have to act out of character for a minute, or you just, you just have to do something to, you know, move us from point A to point B. There was none of that. We knew why everybody was doing what they were doing in the moment they were doing it. Well, they didn't have to retcon stuff. And, and, the, and I, I agree with everything you said there. And I do think story and character was the two best of this pyramid. I mean, not knocking art, not not knocking art again. But I'm just saying, <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. But like, even if the art was really good, I, I would have said I think the characters was a really strong point in this one because, like James said, it hooked you on uh, Emmy Bernice. Though I mean, you liked her. What little she was in there, you liked her as a character. Even the witch. Even what little time was in there, you, you could see her story, and they've done really good with developing characters in a small time frame. In a few panels, you got who that person was and what they what, what they were wanting to achieve or whatever, their goals, like Jamie said, why they're doing what they're doing. And they've done a really great job with all the characters. Even like you said, the Minotaur. It's not all about the skinless boy, but he's like a guard dog for that girl. And, <laughs> and you get that right away. Like, at first, you know, it was kind of confusing with the skin, what's going on. Then then you see him without his skin or whatever and running around. This the, the skinless boy. It, it was an interesting setup with all the characters. I, I enjoyed every one of them. Um, you kind of that, – that's the one um, thing they don't really flesh out. Like, why the skinless boy gets attached to her so hard. Yeah. They don't really get into it other than, like, he's this – weird little boy that's been living as skin and not skin for a long time. And she's the, maybe just, the, she, she was kind to him. And I know. I, I, you know, I think it was something like previous when she was the witch before or whatever. And, uh, maybe made him or something like that for like a watchdog kind of person. But anyways, but when he was fishing, she was down by the Creek in the woods. in the first one, he was down there fishing. She starts chasing him. He goes into a thorn bush. I think he shades his skin there so she can have it so he can help her. Like a walkie-talkie kind of thing, because like when she's crawling through the thorn bushes, she shows up and there, like the kid been living there, like there's a teddy bear. There was a big pile of blood, and his skin was hanging in the thorn bush, but he wasn't there. So I think mm-hmm. he he left it there for her on purpose. But that's just another character thing. Yeah, that I was going into. So it's all great characterizations of the people. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think you guys have pretty much said everything there is to say on the character. I don't have <laughs> no, a lot we of have, yeah. uh, I will say. Uh, Sam, you made a point, and I wanted to to add on just a little bit to that. The uh, you get a feel for the characters kind of right off the bat. You kind of they they do a good job of quickly establishing who's who. Uh, and Mister Sorrel, the guy that pops out of the truck from the future, uh, you knew he was you know a terrible person as soon as he gets out of that truck. I was like, don't trust him. He's a bad yeah. guy. You know, and, and you get that vibe. I think it was a little bit from the art, but it was kind of just a dialogue he was using, just. The way he was talking, he seemed off. It wasn't anything I could point to and say, well, he said that, so that makes him crazy. Uh, but it was kind of subtle. Uh, but I thought they'd done a really good job with a lot of the characters. Uh, and, yeah, Emmy's great. I I may be in the minority here, but I, I felt for her dad, too. 
I felt like he kind of got pushed into making that decision. I, I felt like he honestly didn't want to have to try to hurt her or kill no. her. Like, I totally believe yeah. that. Uh, and then to see him have that change of heart later on where he's like, I know we said this, but she's not like Hester was. She's not the witch. She's changed. She's her own person, you know. So seeing him going through that growth, I, I, I was glad to see mm-hmm. them kind of reconcile towards the end. Yeah, because uh, he did love her. I mean, that's one thing they got across. He did love her. He was terribly heartbroken to do what he was doing, but he was forced by the mob. It was that mob mentality thing they had going against him. Right. And then at the end when he stopped and he realized that she wasn't who who they thought she was, he's like, I'll be with you to the day I die or whatever. I'll, say, I'll be on your side no matter what. So, I mean, that's – I mean, the way they evolved that, that quickly. Right. Great job. It was hard to root for him through issues two and three when he's chasing her through the woods with a shotgun. But to, to bring him full circle where he's like, you know, he's a caring dad. You can tell that he cares for her. And to see him go to I'm going to kill her to back to I don't have to kill her. She can be my daughter again. You know, that was that was a fun ride I thought they took with him. Well, I, I got the impression that if he hadn't done it, that the, a mob was going to come and do it. And it would yeah. be it would have been worse for her. So I, I think he was trying to do it in a merciful way because he did love it, her so much. It was kind of like an old Geller thing. He was going, <laughs> they're going to put her down so nobody else had to. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was rough too. Hester, poor Hester. Kind of felt yeah. bad for her a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I swear I got the Rasputin vibe from that. I felt yeah. bad. Yeah, they did a lot. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but <laughs> she, she was stabbing. Shot, yeah, shot, stabbed, hung, and then caught, and then burned while she was hanging. Yeah. and she was still alive through all that. Yeah, she didn't. Still she didn't die. Me. She was going out. Yeah. yeah. All right, you want to give us some words? Let's do it. Yep. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? <laughs> Sam, best cover. What you got? Best cover, issue four, page 81. Wrong. I don't remember what it is. Let's roll it down. That's one of the right answers. I got two I couldn't pick from. That was one of them. It's the uh, skinless boy crawling through the oh, yeah. top of a doorway. All, uh, it's a good one. I'm just giving you a hard time. That, that was yeah. my backup. I had, I had oh. trouble deciding. Yeah, he's on the ceiling crawling through the top of the door. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I, didn't, I didn't catch that at first. Yeah. Well, you look at the pictures behind his angry yeah. face. Yeah, uh, and that's one of the ones. Uh, the reason I wanted to pick that one, Sam, is just the uh, the detail in his hand, yeah, way his all hand, of his tendons are coming stuff, through yeah. his carpal tunnel there, and Too much. the bones. Yeah, it's the way the muscles attach to the skull. It's just, I liked it. Yeah, it's really, really well done. All right, was that yours, Josh? That was one. Since Sam picked that one, I'm gonna go with my other one, which was issue one, uh, which was this, that was my backup. It's the the boy's skin. <laughs> yeah, the, the skin. The other half of the boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and that's what hooked me because that was the, the main volume cover as well. Uh, uh-huh. And that's just such a interesting <laughs> interesting picture of us somebody's skin in the bottom drawer of a dress, light up eyes and his arm trying to crawl out. It's just such mm-hmm. a... The hand is what gets me about it. That, that's mine too. The hand crawling out there. Yeah. Out, I, yeah. It's so creepy. Yeah, that's it sets you up for what you're getting into. Like it, 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 it's not the gory horror. It's not you know nasty or anything, but it just it builds a lot of tension. It makes the creepy crawlies grow up your spine. It's yeah. it was good. If that be the first image, it really helps you get into the you know the the tone. What kind of book you're reading? Oh yeah. All right, uh, Josh, who's your best character? Uh, I went with Emmy. I don't think you could go with anybody else. I think she's the right answer. Uh, that or the skinless boy. Uh, <laughs> I think it was so much fun. But uh, Emmy, yeah. 
I'm I'm gonna agree. I I, I love Amy. I I'm I'm gonna read every issue in the series unless they do something horrible to Amy and make me mad and make me you know hate quit it. Um, <laughs> but but if you but if you for if you force me to pick somebody else just to be different from you, I would go with the skinless boy. I got a kick yeah. out of him. Yeah, man. We're all three in agreement because that's what I done. Like, Amy's the right answer, and then I know everybody's gonna pick Amy, so I'll pick the skinless boy also. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's that? All right, all right. Well, I think, we, cover, I think we covered why we picked her in the character section. So yeah, no elaboration needed. I like the skinless boy. I like I like the whole idea about it. Like I said, though, I think I got a different take than Jamie did about him being the walkie-talkie and the watchdog and all that stuff, the guard dog. I, I, I liked his whole. Whole deal, the way I took him, anyways. Well, um, I think I, I, I'm willing to bet we're all going to keep reading, so maybe we'll we'll find we'll we'll flesh it out. We'll reconnoiter. <laughs> um, our uh, next next award is best panel, um, and I'm going first on this one. And I've got two that I'm really tied on, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you one. If you want to pick the other one, I'll tell you what it is because I'm I'm honestly I'm tied. So. <clears throat> My first one is on page eight, and it's the last panel on that page, and it's Hester Beck looking at the people hanging her, being mm-hmm. super creepy, and it's just yeah. a, it just you can just feel the hate and venom coming off of her towards them. Oh yeah, and you can you can feel like yeah, there's about to be some revenge. This ain't yeah. over. She, she almost has a little snake. bit, yeah. yeah, a little bit of a smug face too. Yeah, you may be killing me now, but guess what? I'm gonna <laughs> win in the end. She knows she's coming back. She's Captain Smug over there. Yeah, I'm 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 dying right now, but this ain't over. Yeah, yeah. Now that was a good one. All right, same. What was yours? So I did like yours. That's a really good answer. I don't. Know, I didn't think about that one. But I went to page seventy-five, panel one. It's the skinless boy. That was one of mine too. Yeah, he is one. just pure anger. All right, I'll go oh. with. I had three, so I'll go with one of my other ones because it's right <laughs> beside it. Go uh, back a page to seventy-four, uh, panel two. Yeah, it's, her uh, face. Emmy's face. See the Hester like, in there. Yeah, a little bit of Hester trying to pop out there. Uh, and she just looks super intense, and you know she's seventeen turning eighteen, but there she looks like a you know grown witch getting ready to do some stuff. Maybe some carry or some fire starter action going on. Yeah, yeah. fire starter yeah. for real. Yeah. All right. Well, my my other tied one was on page forty-seven, and it's a uh, real creepy one with the skinless boy uh, in the tree, listening yeah. to the conversation below it, and it's just like I, I, I say, man. Tree. Yeah, I love that tree. There's like there's always something going on in the background behind the tree, but I don't know. He just he looks really creepy there, and you know he's holding a little bunny. Mm, he is holding a little bunny. Yeah. I almost picked that one. Yeah. It's I, good. Uh, my best my, I have a skinless boy in it though. Yeah, my other backup was 73, panel 2, page 73, panel 2, and it's another skinless boy face. That was one of my favorite <laughs> skinless boy images. Yeah, and he's tearing up her dad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the strength of six men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, you said you had another one. Did you want to mention it? That was it. No, I had uh, the one sound pick, 75-1. Okay. All right, uh, Sam, what was your best dialogue? All right, so... I picked one because I know this is a horror and all that stuff, but I wanted one to kind of lighten the mood. I thought it was funny. When, it's when she first had the skinless boy and she's putting him in the her dresser drawer. She said she needs to change her clothes. Says, I may not know much about boys, but I know enough to realize that. Eyes or no, you'll find a way to peek if you can. I just thought that was funny. 
Yeah, that was just yep. stuck him in the door, telling him no peeking while she's changing clothes. Just, just skin. Yeah, it's she weird. She hasn't that traveled she's... far, but she's worldwide. Yeah, yeah. As I say, it's weird that she's so comfortable with you know talking skin <laughs> that she's stuffing it in a drawer and stuff. She's just so comfortable right off the bat. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm with you, Sam. I think she made the skinless boy as Hester Beck or something, and he's I been hanging around waiting yeah. on her because the fact that she's just so comfortable right off the bat with him that. She shouldn't have been. <laughs> All right. And let's see. For my best dialogue, we're going to go right in my sweet spot there on page 74. It's the third panel. Did you read only three pages? I think you did. No. No. I got stuck. <laughs> there was some good stuff happening there. Uh, but Sam mentioned this early in the story point about uh, when she has her turning point, when you could see her, she could go full Darth Vader. Uh, mm-hmm. but she, she pulls it back and, uh, I like that. She, she tells the skinless boy to, to get off her dad. And she said, I'm not what he thinks I am. I'm not a monster. And you can see that's kind of the point she's been running from kind of what was going on. She really was just reacting to the situation. And I felt like that was the first time she's like, okay, this is happening. I've got a choice to make here. I'm not going to be Hester Beck basically. Yeah. And I, I thought that was a good turning point for her. That was a good one. Um, I want to pick the entire last conversation between Emmy and her dad, um, but it's a lot to read. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not going to. But uh, on the very last thing, when he sits down, they finally like kind of r- sort of open up. Um, the the last thing they say is, he, she says, I know, Paul, I might not understand much about what's happening around me, but I know after everything that you love me. And then we see how much that he's not scared anymore. He's not afraid of what she's going to become. He believes that she's not evil. So he says, until the end of time, girl, until the very end of all creation, and I swear I'll never let anything happen to you. Yeah. Yeah. That one just kind of stuck with me. Like, yeah, he's... That's true dad. Yeah. 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 And he's, you know, old old farmer guy. I mean, he's probably secretly Charles Bronson or something, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Not a dude you want to cross. I'm just guessing. Some Tom Jane. (laughs) All right. Uh, yeah, you, you mess with his daughter. He'll, he'll go punish her on you. Yep. Um, okay, Josh, uh, next word is best full-page spread. All right. Well, Sam's getting outvoted, Jamie, because I'm with you. The fire ghosts were great. I'm going with page 55. It's when the fire ghosts are first erupting from the graves. Uh, they're all – they didn't just do generic ghosts. You see one that has long hair, one that has some short hair and still has some ears. You've got some that are look to be full skeleton – they're coming out of the graves in different positions and postures. Uh, I just thought it was really well done. Like I could see see that scene happening as it was coming out. Uh, I, I thought it was. I, I liked it a lot. Uh, I thought that was pretty cinematic too. Like I could I could see that happening in a movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was it. I liked the fire ghost. I've got three. Um, <laughs> uh, let's go with seventy nine. We haven't talked much about the Minotaur. Um, the the Minotaur looming out of that broken cabin behind her as she's you know all emotional. Uh, that that could have almost been a cover. Yeah, yeah, I might be the best drawing of the Minotaur. I, I really didn't care much for it. I, I like Minotaur creatures. I just didn't like the way they draw for some reason. <laughs> I, I got okay. this Samael from Hellboy vibe from him. The yeah. endless one or whatever it's called. Ah. See, I kind of like the fact that he was a little bit vague and a little bit fuzzy. Yeah. Like he's, you know, he's a demon. Maybe he's not supposed to be fully of our world and stuff. So I, I kind of liked 
the 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 watercolor style for him. I thought it worked really well. I got okay. kind of a, a Belrog type vibe. Yeah, yeah. same. Sorry, I can same see vibe. that. No, I'll say, but for the right answer, it's behind Jamie's head. It's page eleven, Harold County, the big tree and the farm, and they see the skyline. I think that was the best art in the whole thing. That was my runner up. That one, or there may have been another tree one I was looking at. I didn't write the yeah, page it's, numbers it's down. Issue two. It's the first page in issue two. Yeah, maybe. But issue yeah, that, 11, uh, page eleven. Okay, when Sam says it's behind my head, he doesn't mean I'm sitting in front of an evil tree out in the woods. <laughs> he, are you sure? I, I, I do a thing just to give uh, my co-hosts uh, uh, you know, kicks on every podcast I'm on. Whatever I'm reviewing, I'll, I'll grab a background image, make that my Skype background. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm not out in the forest. <laughs> lingering beside awesome. a tree, an evil tree. <laughs> not, not in the middle of this ice storm. Um, and I had I had two more, but I'm not going to mention this too much. Um, one of them was another another fire ghost full page though. Yeah, it was page 57. Yep, <laughs> that was one of my other runners. <laughs> I didn't like the way uh, Emmy and Bernice's faces looked in that one. That that was one of the times where the the faces got kind of wonky, but that wasn't the focus of that panel. But yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, last award is the best horror element, and I have uh. Two, um, I'm going to say one, which I've already talked about them a whole bunch, it's just the fire ghosts themselves. I love that idea, like that different way to, you can only think about them like being real immaterial and, you know, pale and floating around. And I mean, these things are, I mean. Human torch. <laughs> yeah, the human torch out in the woods, you know, with skeletons of it. Wow. Yeah. Um, I talked about it much anyway, sorry. Um, but my, what I want to give the award to was the, the scene where the two girls are coming out of the tree. Um, yeah. You know, and one of them being um, kind of rough looking, like something happened. I don't know if that was Cammy or Amy or how that's going to play out. I'm super curious about how that played out. Mm-hmm. And I, one of them got away. Um, but I just thought that was a really sort of like scary scene. Um, and just and, the, and that they're, they're in that kind of be <laughs> hatched out of an evil tree uh, where yeah. they where they killed a witch. You know, that that can't be a good thing. <laughs> There's no. <laughs> they should have known right away that was not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Burn the tree. Surprised they let those girls live after yeah. you know everything, but yeah, that was just a real. I mean, if they were, if when this gets made into a movie or TV show, that that scene is going to be featured prominently. Mm-hmm. All right, so for my horror element, I like the skinless boy, but not just specifically the skinless boy. I loved it that his skin was a an echo or a receiver or whatever it was actually around the boy. So if the boy was in the tree, his skin was telling uh, Emmy what was going on. I love that part of it. Like, man, that's that's really freaky. Yeah, I love that the eyes are with the body, so they see yeah. what the body sees, but the mouth is with the skin, so they talks with that one. But there's this, yeah. you know, crazy, you know, supernatural connection. Because yeah, when he's having was, a fight, because having a fight with the the dad, whatever, the skinless boy was the skin was talking while the boy was fighting. <laughs> like, don't touch her, blah blah, sort of stuff. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. He's yeah. got, he's, he's his own flavor flame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sam. Well, you picked my number one uh, pick I had, so I'll go with my backup pick, which was the the whole opening sequence with Hester Beck, just setting that story up with her, seeing how she went bad, how the townspeople had to try multiple ways to kill her, and they burned her to death hanging from a tree. You know, they hung her, and then while she was still hanging, they burned her. Uh, That was just, that's classic horror stuff there. Like, that's that's setting the story up. And she was evil while they was doing it, yeah. She really did, yeah. Jamie's best panel 
fit into that. That was all. Yeah. Uh, that was really good horror stuff. Uh, you want to cast this thing? Yep. Yeah. And I've realized as we're going along, I think I made a mistake. But all right, let's let's do this thing anyway. All right. So first out of the gate is Emmy. Sam, who you got? So I haven't seen her in a whole bunch, but she's got a, a really famous family, and I went with Elle Fanning, Dakota's little sister. Yeah, she's on that new show, The Great. Yeah, I really haven't seen her in nothing, nothing much, but she looked a lot like Hal uh, in those draws. I was, yeah. I had Dakota Fanning down first. I was like, well, she's twenty six now, and her her younger sister is twenty two. I'm mean, older to ages. She's supposed to be turning 18. Like, what's well, closer in age? I thought I had the right answer. I'm I'm afraid you stole it. I think right, I Josh, <laughs> you got. Well, I thought I had the right answer. We'll find out. Uh, Anya Taylor Joy. She's playing Magic in the New Mutants. That's really good too. She, uh, she she's probably way too Split. old. Now. She's yeah. in her mid twenties. You could yeah. probably probably Liana. That's yeah, Liana Rasputin. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking from Split, the way she played that character. Yeah. Uh, That's pretty good, yeah. Kinda, Man, I thought she's I thought had a slam dunk. Stuff. You all are good. Yeah. Put some thought know. and effort in this. Yeah. Well, I thought I had I I thought I had this one. I'm Millie Bobby Brown. Especially after watching Enola Holmes. Mm-hmm. She just does that likable thing so well. Uh, no, that's good. I mean, yeah. all three of them are yeah. really good answers. Yeah, none of those are bad. Man, I, I, but I thought I had that one. <laughs> You're like, what's still in the guys? <laughs> I, I think I think it depends on what kind of movie you want to make and who, who you want as your lead. I think all three of those would fit perfect, honestly. I, I think, uh, I mean, all, all three of those are awesome actresses. I mean, especially yeah. some of them for like, at, at, at incredibly young ages were amazing uh, mm-hmm. acting ability. But Sam, I think Elle Fanning probably looks the part the most. The most yeah, I, I think so. I really do. That's, that's one of the main reasons I picked her. Man, jerk. We call right, a three-way uh, tie on that one. <laughs> I don't if play I, that. Yeah. Okay. If I had my choice, I, I'd like my pick. But I, I think all three of them are great. Can't go wrong with none of them. Yeah, those are all good answers. Uh, now the next one, I think I do have the right answer, and I think you're, you'll even agree with me, uh, Josh. Who is your Isaac slash Emmy's dad? Isaac. Oh man, I, I thought I got this is one of the ones I had right off the bat. I picked Emmy and her dad right off the bat. Issue one. Uh, I'm going Gary Oldman. Ooh, close. Now the chameleon. <laughs> <laughs> he could be anybody. I know, no, but yeah. there's there's a rider answer. That's no, a okay. right answer. There's a rider answer. Okay, what's the rider answer? You you're close. It's a Gary. It's the wrong Gary. Gary Sinise. Sinise. Yeah. I mean, come on. Who does like you know, you know, real real country kind of guy? But you know, there's more behind the eyes. He's not just the country guy. There's there's a lot going on, you know, in the old uh, you know, brain pan. Gary Sinise does that really well, and he's in the right age 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 range now. I, I think we all three got really good answers again. I pick somebody we hardly ever pick. Phenomenal actor. Oh, you ain't got to Google him. No, you ain't got to Google him. <laughs> what you're talking about, what I kept seeing was this really good guy, but if you do mess up, if you mess with his daughter, it's going to be bad news for you. Michael Keaton. I thought I you kept, were going to say Liam Neeson. No, I had Liam Neeson and I scratched him out. <laughs> no, that, be, no but I, kept, I kept thinking, you know, Spider-Man when he's Vulture. 
played this good guy doing this, doing this stuff. And all of a sudden, then his world turned. He started doing evil, but still loved his family. Done all the stuff he could for his family. I could just see that he does that switch good. Being a good guy, then he can flip it and be evil. Um, I know he's probably still in movie jail, but um, I think Mel Gibson would be good at that too. Yeah, Mel Gibson would be really good at that. But that's what I think because you know he has that whole whole arc that the dad does. I wanted to see Michael Keaton do that whole arc. This is a really strong week, guys. I mean, we some good answers. I I I, I still think Gary Oldman might have been the right answer. Well, Gary Oldman's always a right answer. Always, you can't can't (laughs) ever go wrong. When you cast him, you're normally doing right. I mean, just think of him as a wholesome dad who loves his daughter, but then he's got more stuff going on. I mean, I can see him cry strangling his daughter like he would totally do that believably <laughs> you know that's right up his alley yeah i did the heart to heart at the end that's that's gary oldman all day man all right all right skinless boy i know you haven't heard of this kid because i know you're not watching this tv show um i'm i've got one though we don't even have the time machine um benjamin evan ainsworth he's playing miles on the haunting of bly Manor, or did the haunting of bly manor and he's in that age range, and um, he does creepy kid too well. Too well, yeah. <laughs> Let's see. I'm, I've watched that. I can't remember who he was in that one. He's the there's the two kids that live in the house. He's the young the young younger brother. Right, right, right. Yeah. I was thinking of the uh, the first one. No, no, the no. House yeah, on yeah, Hill. Not, yeah, not, yeah, not Hill House, uh, Blind Manor. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, no, that's yeah. He does creepy good. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Sam. Who, who's your skinless boy? All right, so I went for. I probably should pick the stunt double, but I just picked Tom Holland. I had no real reason other than the strength of six men kind of got me. I kept thinking Spider Man, him bouncing around. That's all I got. I'm pretty sure he's older than El Fanning. He is. But the Actually, boy, it, he's going to be in a green suit. He's going. He's going to be in a green suit. It don't matter. Okay. All right. All right. Well, Josh? I did the same thing. I didn't know necessarily that the boy part of the skinless boy was the most important. Uh, so I went with somebody a little bit older. He's lugging a teddy bear everywhere. Yeah. Well, so you didn't have to be a kid to like your teddy bear. Come on. Well, his guy. skin was almost as big as she is when she held, held him up. So that's true. But anyway, I went with uh, Thomas Brody Sangster. Mm. He's kind of got a little bit of a supernatural look about him, and he's he could be know. athletic. You know him from uh, Game of Thrones? He was one of the... Uh, Starks. Yeah. No. He's 30 years old. Yeah, he's 30. <laughs> he's like, I didn't know that. <laughs> he, like he looks like he's still in his teens, though. He looks young. <laughs> oh, but, God. again, I didn't think it was that important important to the story. That he I didn't either. A little kid. Like, yeah. Was a green screen the whole time. He's going to be in a suit. Yeah. Uh, well, if we were, if I was gonna break out the time machine this week, um, I would go back and get Elijah Wood from The Good Son. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah or maybe North that that era where he's still you know young and you know you can see him kidding around the teddy bear, but also you know he was already a good actor. Hmm. Get, no, get good. Macaulay Culkin from there when he done the evil. <laughs> yeah, but we want to we want to lock the skinless boy. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, he's too scary as The Good Son. Uh, yeah. Right, anyway, uh, next is Bernice. Uh, Josh, who is your... No, Sam, who is your That's Bernice? me, actually. So, Bernice, this is a show y'all, or a movie y'all have never even seen. She plays Uma in Descendants, Disney movie. 
and her name is China Ann McLean. No other reason than she looks just like the girl later on. And she's actually a pretty good actress. And she can sing. Unfortunately, I know all that. Click on the wrong Descendants <laughs> movie. She's in all three of the Descendants, it don't matter. Yeah, there's, there's one that's not a Disney one. Oh. <laughs> I noticed they said, I wasn't recognizing the actors. I looked at the top and I said it was rated R. I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's the one Sam was referring to. <laughs> uh, you, watch, you click on Descent. <laughs> Descendants. So which one was the... I'm sorry, I'm slowing the show a it, China Ann McLean is her name. She plays Ursula's okay. daughter. I help Jenny. Yeah, I still think I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this one. All right, Josh. Uh, I went with Letitia Wright. She played Shuri in Black Panther. Ooh, that's a good one. That yeah, good, actually, she's a good actress. I had, yeah. I'd never cast her before. I've been holding that in my back pocket, waiting to find the right time and i think she'd do that because she's likable but i can see her running from her parents house to go warn her friend that they're about to get murdered like that that loyalty to her friend totally buy that from her oh you're right that's a good one um okay though um i'm in the right age range again i might be the only one again <laughs> no mine's really close he's 24 i looked it up Uma? yeah yeah my anyway. is 22. Anyways, go. Anyway, uh, Allegra Costa. She was in The Runaways. She played Molly. Oh, yeah. She was the youngest of The Runaways. Mm-hmm. Super likable. If you don't like her, you're the problem. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and you're probably a bad person. I still looking at Josh and you watch that show. First two seasons are good, bud. And the third mm-hmm. season's okay. They just had to hurry. They got rushed. And they're like, wrap it up. Hurry up and finish, this, finish your show now. So it, felt, it, it was rushed and it failed, it, but it's still a pretty good season. Yeah, it's because I not, locked it. We're not reviewing that, though. <laughs> Sam locked it. <laughs> I forgot you're the curse of all shows. Curse, yeah, I do. I really <laughs> like it. It's canceled. They, let them, they did let them finish, though. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. We were left hanging. I, I come in late on the show as well. already had that film before Sam started watching. Well, I was, Sam's watching it. Pretty shut up, guys. All right. Uh, next is Mr. Sorrel, the creepy pharmacist guy. <laughs> he, he of the ear snake. Josh, who do you have for Mr. Ear Snake? This is one I thought I nailed. I'm. This is I thought was my best pick. Uh, Dylan Baker. Really? You may have to look him up. I just I already I wrote down the nature. I thought you was gonna write down. I'm gonna use one call out. Oh, I wanted to do Bushimi. Uh, I only want to do Bushimi. Oh, right. I thought that's what you were gonna say. But no, Dylan Baker. You'll know him when you see him. He's played in some creepy stuff. He's kind of got that look. He he looks like he could be a pharmacist, like an upright guy. But oh yeah, see, that's good. I can see him being creepy too. He even wears the wire rim glasses and stuff. Yeah, no, that's good. He was in Trick or Treat. He was the, the yeah. He was uh, the principal. Principal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was that's, in a Spider-Man movie too, movie too mm-hmm. wasn't he? Toby, uh, the Toby McGuire ones. Yeah, he yep. he was uh, Doctor Connors. Connor. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Connors. Who's in the sale? He's in all kinds I, of I stuff. thought that yeah. was that was, I no, thought that was one of my better picks. Okay, that Pretty is. Bad. That's not not your usual nonsense. Um. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Backhanded compliment. Uh-huh. Uh, Toby Toby Jones. Getting Toby out Jones there. is Mr. Sorrel. Yep. Uh, he was in uh, the Hunger Games. He was in uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. But we know him most in the nerd world. For being Doctor Arnim Zola. Zorloff, yeah, I know who he is. I, 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 you're both really good. 
It's funny because I thought Josh was going to say Paul Giamatti. Just because he picks hey. you for... I don't want Paul E.G. I know. I don't oh, like him to be much. a good guy. I like him as a I good know. guy. I, that's what I thought. I was going to call out my pick. Yeah. And I really didn't have no real reason, but I wanted to see him take on a different role, the guy I picked. And he, he always does well in any role he takes on, but Stanley Tucci. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he would do really good at that. It's not, not who I was picturing. Um, I watched him in a new. What made me think about? Because I just watched the new. It was, a, it was on the Prime Prime movie he was in, and he played a police captain. And it made me like think of this guy that I watched mm-hmm. recently. So he can do it. All right. Yeah. That would have been the place to work Bushimi into the list, though. Yeah. The creepy pharmacist guy, <laughs> <laughs> kidnapped the little girls. Yeah, that's Steve Bushimi. Or right. well, our last one is where I made my mistake. Um, we should have cast Hester Beck here. Um, yeah. Uh, I messed up. That's my bad. But instead, we're doing the Minotaur monster voice actor person. Um, and I, I, I heard a, per, a person's voice as, <laughs> as I was reading those pages. I think that's why I went there first to do this. But um, I'm going to go with Brad Dourif. Played Wormtongue in Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings. Uh, he was Peter DeVries yeah. in that old Dune yeah. movie. Um, uh, Chucky in Child's Play. You yeah. Know, all the I mean... Who does creepy better than Brad Dourif? No, that's really good. I mean, yeah. I, I can tell you who does creepy better. And it's Hugo Weaving. He done... I want a little deeper voice. He, yeah. he done Megatron. He's done, done the Red Skull. He, he, he can do a wide range of voices. Not just his typical... No, that's not bad. Thing. Oh, yeah. No. And that's what I was thinking. I, I was thinking of something a, a little different. And I do have a, a pick for the other witch, too, by the way. Okay, who you got? Dakota Fanning, the older sister. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, that would have worked good. Uh, I was picturing Kate Blanchett. Yeah. But. Yeah, that worked for Elle Fanning, too, so yeah. still winning. All right, uh, Josh, who is your Minotaur monster voice person? Minotaur monster voice. Uh, the way the... Uh, text boxes where it didn't look like he had just like a rural accent. I was getting some kind of different country accent. So I went with Tommy Flanagan. He's Scottish. You'll know him in from Gladiator. He was in Braveheart. He was one of the... Yeah, he was in Guardians of the Galaxy as one of the other... uh, What do you call him? I want to say Reaver. Yeah, but that's... uh, He's got a pretty distinctive voice when you hear him. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. He's in Sin City. Yeah, he was. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, I had a good time reviewing uh, Harrow County with you. I'm glad you all liked it. I, I, yeah. When I got done with it, I was like, man, I hope Jamie likes this. <laughs> I already knew I was going to like it. Yeah, I knew Sam was on board. Well, um, our our run of uh, <laughs> Ring of Honor books, um, maybe uh, a whole one in a row. Um <laughs> Next week, we're going to be doing one of my picks called Afterlift. And um, the main reason I picked this um, is it's we've, we've not done any of the Comixology originals yet. And I've, I have found them so far to be pretty uneven. Um, some of them are good and some of them are, you know, it's nice they're free because we've got Comixology Unlimited. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the creative team really is what got me, especially the writer, Chip Zdarsky. Um, he's one of my favorite Marvel writers right now. 
Um, he's writing my favorite Marvel series, period, right now, the, the Daredevil series. Um, and I just wanted to see him do something else that wasn't superheroes. And so the, 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 the big sort of elevator pitch premise is, you know, you know, Uber driver gets stuck taking people to hell. Uh, <laughs> that's the elevator <laughs> pitch, but I'll, I'll read the full summary. Uh, I know that's the gimmick we do now. Here we go. Uh, Rideshare driver Janice Chen has enough to deal with, from annoying passengers to overbearing parents. But when she picks up a pair of mysterious passengers who are pursued by otherworldly forces, Janice realizes that her already terrible day might be headed straight to hell. Uh, And it it gives the creative team, it says, from these people come a new series featuring car chases, demon bounty hunters, and figuring out your place in this world and the next. Uh, It's an interesting premise. Yeah. Good writer. And I just want to see. I want to see how he does when he's not doing, you know, people in spandex. Yeah, it's <laughs> got a good, good premise. If you haven't read it yet, there may be people in spandex. Don't <laughs> 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 count on it. <laughs> there may be a demon bounty hunter wearing a spandex jumpsuit and a cape. If if there's a guy on a motorcycle with chains and a flaming skull head, then I'm, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to turn him in. He might, he might get him sued. All right, guys. Uh, <laughs> Well, I, I do my I do my spiel every week. Um, we've got a bunch of podcasts on the network we want you to listen to. Uh, this isn't the only good show on the network. We've got Nerds of the Round Table, our movie review show. We've got uh, One Thin Dime, our, our show dedicated to the golden age of comics. And we've got Zafram, our podcast devoted to the works of Jeff Lemire. Uh, all, all of our podcasts are niche podcasts. That one is the most niche. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. you got a very select market for that one. Well, I um, also um, did some. I've done some a little bit of research, and it turns out that um, we're probably never going to be found on the al- algorithm. <laughs> um, we're not going to be in the recommended stage. We don't have. Um, we're not covering like super mainstream stuff. We're not covering popular TV shows or movies or Marvel Cinematic Universes or anything like that. And so, if you want to help our show grow, if you're one of our listeners and you want to help us out, the best way to help us is to tell a friend. Um. And hey, hey, people might just be amused listening to our accents, and so it might be worth. Yeah. You might just get a chuckle out of it, and we'll get the downloads, so it'll be okay. We won't mind. Yeah, yeah. we do say our eyes funny. Uh, we don't say eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just we just sub through Asian for everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we 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 have listened to you struggle through the uh, creator credits before. It's always entertaining. <laughs> anyway. I think we're done here. I don't need need any more mockery. (laughs) See ya. Later.